Hello, my name is Mark Reed, Editor-in-Chief of Canada's History Magazine. Welcome to the podcast. In 1945, Frank Rowan of Ottawa found himself bailing out of a Lancaster bomber after a night raid over Nuremberg, Germany. Captured by the Nazis, he became a prisoner of war. You can read the full story of Rowan's ordeal as a POW in the June-July issue of Canada's History Magazine. Meanwhile, here is Frank Rowan describing in his own words the chaos that ensued after his bomber was hit by a German night fighter and he was forced to bail from the plane. Take me back to, to St. Saint Patrick's Day, 1945, and I presume you guys get, get you know, you have your debrief or your brief before you go. Oh, yeah. We're going to go on a mission, fellas. And you probably think it's like any other, you've already done this. Yeah, no reason time. to not, but uh, yeah, it never occurred that it happened to us, to, to, to us just yet. Did you, was there that feeling among pilots that it, it won't happen to me, it happens to somebody else? You know, that, yeah, otherwise, otherwise, I can't say for all of them, but yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, some of them. Well, how did you feel personally when you went up? Were you, were you thinking every time you went up, uh-oh, this could be the last trip I'm going to make? Or well, did you no, just the, think? The, see, the first 20 trips I did with uh, the Sid Burton, he had already done a tour. Mm-hmm. So to me, I, I was as safe with him as anything. Yeah. And the older crews were the ones that took off first. Oh, okay. But not necessarily. But that could happen to any. There could be accidents or whatever. Yeah. But I was confident with him. Yeah. Uh, so you weren't necessarily... Uh, you, you felt as safe as anybody can feel. Yeah, mm, that's right. Uh, when you were taking off. So there was no nothing in your mind, no premonitions, no, uh, oh, hmm, I don't no, know. No, no, no. you just went up. So then you're rumbling down the, you're rumbling down the runway, you're in the air, and you're headed to Nuremberg. Can you just walk me through what happened and, and uh, during, that, during that trip? Well, yeah, you follow the diversion of the directions until... Okay. You don't head directly for that target, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, because they're trying with radar, trying to follow up. They have fighter planes and they have other things, but they want not to waste the fuel and where's the best place to intercept them if they can find out. Mm-hmm. So it's a complicated system in my gut. Sounds a bit like a cat and mouse game a little bit. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, over the target area, once they know the target area, after a little while, then it becomes heavily with anti-aircraft and, and fighter planes, if they did have them, stayed outside the rim of the, where it was lighting. And, and the bombers, once it, uh, the bombs fell, it would light up because of the explosions and that, mm-hmm. and then they would put up anti-aircraft uh, uh, lights, uh, okay. Uh, because if they ever caught you in those lights, it just about blind you, huh? mm-hmm. and they get a cone, and then they fire into that. Uh, um, so the fighter plane stayed outside. Hours yeah. uh, <clears throat> we bombed, and we're on our way out, and then we were hit by. Uh, I assume it was a, a, a night fighter, that, that, that. and we had instructions to, to, to bail out. The pilot has the job of keeping it steady as much as possible, if, if it's possible. Huh? Mm-hmm. 
so I bailed out. I uh, <coughs> later, <coughs> as I said, when I came out, I didn't attend anything. So for years, I literally forgot any detail. All I know, I bailed out from approximately 18,000 feet. I wonder what goes through a person's what what went through your mind when when the pilot told you to bail. I just you know the, just the, the limited knowledge I had when it was my turn to to, to jump in front, yeah. kneel down, you put your hand behind your head so that when you fall you can tumble and make sure you count to ten. I don't know if I count to ten before you <laughs> open. It. So your shoot finally. Were you, it, it opened and then you lost consciousness or did? did yeah, you're at yeah. that height and you have no oxygen or anything. Yeah. But what brought me to was that, that terrible pain. That oh, okay. And uh, as I happened on a base, they saw me. So I was captured by immediately with them. So the next day they picked up uh, another seven or eight people that had bailed out. There were three from our crew. They had landed in the woods and different weather. Um, after two days, we were brought to for interrogation. Yeah. And the first day that we were marching, we were about uh, 200 or maybe 250 and just straggling around. And the guards were older chaps, not old, old, but the older. Mm -hmm. And most of them had a dog. Okay. Um, like a German but, Shepherd? Yeah, and Doberman, a German okay. Shepherd. And suddenly we got strafed and at about 10 in the morning. I had no idea what was going on. The guards, I guess, more familiar with the sound. They took me off the road, and I guess I lied on one of them and other guards behind trees and everything else. And about, uh, I don't know, maybe 30 or so many were hit at the back of the, the, the lineup. And who was doing the strafing? Was it the Americans? I assume so, but I didn't see the yeah. plane, but it certainly was an Allied fighter plane. It was in broad daylight at 10 in the morning. They shot up everything, cows and everything. Oh my God. So uh, you could hear a bunch of people screaming and, and, and shouting. And apparently the young officer that was in there went up and saw the head allied and told him there's nothing they could do, no Red Cross or anything. And the head guy, those that were badly wounded, they shot them in the back of the head. So that was the last time we walked in daylight. You've been listening to the Canada's History Podcast. My name is Mark Reed, Editor-in-Chief of Canada's History. Thanks for listening.